It's the Daily Talk Show episode 330. It's Easter Monday. Hey boys, it's Lewis good to Spears. be here. How are you? I'm very good, man. I was. Uh, this place is really cool. This little setup. Mm. Um, Isn't it funny because we think it's a piece of shit? <laughs> no, it's great, dude. My stuff. I where I do my stuff. I've rented a warehouse in the brothel capital of Melbourne. <laughs> Uh, so this shit's on it, really. Where is the brothel capital of Melbourne? If you read a few news articles, you may find uh, something about a man being found in a bin that oh died, no. was murdered 15 years ago. It's around there. Okay. Really? Well, one <laughs> of the terrifying. other... I know where you are, but the other one is also um, South Melbourne. Is yeah. A lot of brothels. Yeah. South Melbourne's a weird area because I feel like South Melbourne's a social experiment because we do a, a radio show around there. It's like a weird experiment where it's like, let's get like the richest 30-year-old white women and put them right next to everyone in Housing Commission and just see what happens. <laughs> it's like a social experiment. It's it, great. It used to be horrible. Like it used to be a really shitty area. I think that's what's And then happened. they got the houses in and it got heaps better. <laughs> <laughs> well, this area, Collingwood, used to be an absolute dump. Mm. And, and look at it now. And now. Uh, <laughs> the, but, the, but the people are still around, you know. Like I saw walking here, I walked past, um, there were like two dudes sitting on the pavement smoking weed like opposite to a bar that has free board games. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, just play chess, boys. <laughs> Full hipster area. Uh, Lewis Spears, people might know you from the interweb. I know you from um, Family Christmas Yes, uh, quite a few years back when we did it at Claire Faulkner's place. My I, I have a photo. I brought one in. Do you? Of yeah. you and I? Yeah. It's Fuck. So we're basically family. Uh, my yes. brother's wife is Lewis's cousin. So and my sister-in-law. Okay, sister so we my have sister to like each other. So my sister-in-law is Lewis's there it cousin. Is. There's us Holy at shit. family dinner. God, Lewis, I was so hungover that day. <laughs> I barely made that. Can I'd I gone out. Place? Can we put this on our Instagram? Is that yeah, you yeah. up the back there? That's yeah. me up the back looking depressed you, in the crown. How, how old were you then? Oh, I don't even know. My mum sent that to me. That would have been like maybe uh, 17 or 18. Yeah, so that was for me pre-Shepparton days. And I remember talking to you that day about you wanting to get into radio and get into media and starting, yeah. starting your career. And you fucking launched hard <laughs> over that time. Yeah, well, and, I'm trying. It's, uh, it's, it finally, I feel like just this year, it's starting to feel big now, which is cool. Yeah. Like, well, it's, it's been exciting watching. I've been seeing you from afar mm. and seeing you stand up comedy. Josh said to me, was it stand up for Lewis first or was it the internet stuff? I always wanted to do stand-up. Like, since I was 12, I saw Lano and Woodley live and I thought, I want to do that. And um, But I kind of fell into online stuff at 18. Mm. I just started doing videos and, and mucking around and fucking with the media. And yeah. I think it took me a whole year of doing that before I realised, oh, this is comedy too. Yeah. And I can, I can leverage this into getting people to come to shows and I can start stand-up. So... It was kind of weird. Like I always wanted to do stand-up. I did online shit by accident and yeah. then got this small audience and I thought, well, I can get them to a show but I have no idea how to do stand-up. <laughs> so I just started doing stand-up for a whole year in secret because the last thing you want is for people to come out and you suck. Yeah, Where did you go? Come back. Where were you doing the secret stand-up? Um, I just did open mics all around Melbourne mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, as many times a week I mm -hmm. get on stage and I still do that, I still do all the same rooms that I used to because yeah. there's not, there's only one comedy club in Melbourne and you can only really get on there maybe twice a week and mm. if you 
want to work on your act, you've got to be up every night. So just lots of shithole bars. Um, <laughs> well, there's worse, worse things you could do in secret, like heroin. Yes. You, yeah. Or but playing chess. <laughs> you, uh, you mentioned the bar. stuff about uh, <laughs> the media, um, sort of fucking with the media. Mm. I mean, if Josh's mum and dad are watching, they might know you from ACA. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> mum and dad are big current affair. Yeah. I wonder uh, if they saw, saw back in the day when you were on ACA. It's funny, <laughs> that whole period of time. It, it just that Doing that, if you don't know, basically a group I was in, we tricked a, uh, we tricked a current affair into running a fake story about how we were bullying someone. That person turned out to be a member of our group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it really just demonstrated how little time they have for research. Like they yeah. don't have time for research. If yeah. you think about a current affair and today, tonight, they got to do four stories five days a week. Mm. Like we sent an email in, we had a whole plan and a backstory and, and we did a conversation <laughs> map. We sent an email in, we got one back going, great, can you meet us in two hours at this park? And we were like, okay. <laughs> and then it was on TV that night. Jesus. You didn't even have to show them any of the re- like any of the stuff that you'd planned. No, no, it felt, it felt like a big waste of time, really I, trying to trying to counter their research that evidently was non-existent. Yeah. Well, I saw you. Um, they sent a text message to the girl that was in it saying, um, "Do mm. you have any f- photos of the conversations?" And she just said, "No." And they're like, "No worries, that's fine." Yeah. But they still run the story. Yeah. It's it's, it's crazy. I think when you did that, it's almost. Um, at the st- so many people are doing that now, tricking the media. But that yes. was kind of a little bit before it's mm. become kind of real popular to fuck with the media. Mm. Yeah, well, it's it is it is kind of interesting, like seeing all of it happen now. Uh, at after after we did it, it's really cool. I think it's great. Yeah. You know, if, it's a whole if, genre. If we could in- inspire some of that, that's great. You know, because mm. all all it was. Uh, for me that it eventuated was it I think it just teaches people that maybe you shouldn't believe everything you hear yeah. because if it's that easy to trick someone into saying some fake stuff when they're saying things they think are true maybe they're not actually because they haven't been researched properly yeah. it was the OG fake news yeah it was, yeah, it was, it was real actual <laughs> fake news did you uh, the, the stepping stone mm. that online was to radio did it change your perception once you're actually in radio and actually mm. considering the fact that Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it is the thing rather than the the step. Uh, not really. No, doing doing radio for for us, me and Luke, we do a show called Luke and Lewis. Radio for us was um, is just an excuse to do more content online. Mm. You know, it's it's like an, it, to just get our voice out to a demographic that we wouldn't reach before. You know, we got a podcast now. We film every show, and it's just a chance to get more stuff out. And and me and Luke are like really really good friends and we've, we'd be hanging out talking shit anyway we might yeah. as well you know put it on radio um, and I suppose that we don't you know we're on we're on Fox FM they're not known for their journalism you know no, like no. we're not exactly doing news or, or anything like that I don't yeah. think anyone there is so it didn't really change <laughs> what about my the newsroom yeah, the new, there is a newsroom <laughs> is there, there? I believe yeah. never been in there yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone goes in there <laughs> Is there like what's been the learning around content? Have you like mm. have you had like content directors or people supporting and teaching the yeah. way? Yeah. Well, what's really good about working for for SCA who own Hit and Fox is uh, they're they're great at, at nurturing talent and just teaching us to avoid pitfalls and like what I think what we really learned from doing radio is that you can work a lot harder than you think you can. Yeah. In, like you can actually turn on funny. 
if you can get into a room and you can structure the, the try and harness the chaos of funny and stupid, you mm. can really control it a little bit. Mm. So I think just getting in a room and having that planned structure of the show goes for 40 minutes, so we need eight talk breaks that go for five minutes. So what are your eight subjects that you're going to talk about today? And just learning about, you know, how me and Luke work. Like we mm. we kind of worked out that at the start we would – tell each other our ideas mm-hmm. and you'd almost do it in the meeting mm, and then yeah. you get on air and, and you would just try and recreate what it was. But we also needed to talk through our ideas to make them better. Yeah. So we just kind of got to the point where I'd be like, okay, we're going to do my ideas. Luke leaves the meeting room. I told the producers I got to walk, work through it. They still helped me modify it, make it a bit better. And then when Luke hears it, you know, he knows that it's planned mm. and he can actually hear it for the first time and react mm. more organically. Yeah, oh, that was always the problem. I mean, we mm. didn't even have a producer when I when I was doing my show in Shepparton. Yeah, but it's always like it if if you do it the other way, you almost need to run through your ideas with your co-host. Yeah, for a mm. certain amount of time. But then it sounds like amateur radio, which well, it is. It's like we tried to pre-record our shows, and then I just got so into trying to work out what day it was and what potentially could have happened. <laughs> so now we don't yeah. pre-record. We're just here on Monday. Doing the show right now. Yeah, Easter Monday. Amazing, yeah. right? <laughs> did, so, many, uh, did you get many eggs? I didn't get any eggs, bro. Should, um, <laughs> no eggs. <laughs> no eggs. No. I, my family doesn't celebrate Easter. No? They think it's blasphemous. Eggs, everyone's allergic to it. Really? <laughs> yeah. The, the Do you guys have fish on Friday? Because that's a no-go. Yeah, well, we had fat Fridays and we had the... Um, yeah. Mm, uh, the what did we have again? I can't remember. No. <laughs> anyway, the... Uh, the main thing is no pre-recording goes on here. <laughs> no way. Not on public holidays, never. Potentially. Um, <laughs> yeah, so from from radio, mm. stand-up, like what are the commonalities then in all of this? Uh, I would just say the, the commonalities is just um, the most important thing is to be genuine. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of always been my thing of like I'm, I'm just going to try and be as honest as I can with the people that, are, that like me. And obviously funny as, yeah. as I can. Like that would just suck if I rocked up and told everyone what I had for breakfast and then went through my day without that any That sounds jokes. like our Hell. podcast. That <laughs> sounds him. a lot like. No, that's your food diary. You can, food diary. You can, have, you can have fun with it. Yeah. Can you? It's like everyone has to have breakfast <laughs> yes. so everyone can relate to it. What right? did you have for breakfast? <laughs> um, today I actually had, I went uh, coffee. So I had uh, I got yep. a mocha master recently. Yeah, and so I you got a mo- what is that? A mocha master is like you a got drip. it from the guys that were playing chess. No, <laughs> no, it's a drip coffee. So you put the coffee in, and it like drips in, and then this is like, the most early thirties conversation yeah, I've ever had in my life. It's Bro, really I drip. walked in here, and I think I may have had the most boring conversation with you <laughs> I've ever had in my life. Where Josh or? told me about how he bought eight pairs of sketches in America. Oh, that, that's if you're going true. to America <laughs> and the only thing you come back with is pairs of sketches, why do your you, trip sucked. Why do you have two? Why do you think you get two bags of luggage? Are you asking ones for the sketches? I, be, I believe that's the case. Do you ever? Do you ever feel because you do stuff that is slightly controversial? Yeah. We're, we're pretty like, not as controversial as wearing sketches. <laughs> Fuck man, that's brave. You gave him that one, Josh. Yeah, I, I did. I did. I don't own any of the sketches but i stand by there what did you do with eight I, pairs of sketches i actually gave them to my girlfriend's dad and he <laughs> so has never like, worn a and pair. he's like man and that's why he'll never come to the wedding yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's like this can't gave me eight <laughs> pairs of sketches i'm not walking her down the aisle no i feel like he's into it i think that is like because they sort of look like they're like oh there's like a f- they're a bit formal and no mate it's like no mate he was being in. polite <laughs> <laughs> but you know what they sell you on it sketches is like you press you have to you, walk in for them to sell you on it exactly. no but you press like the sole and it's like real 
cushiony. Like it's like yeah. a full, it's like memory foam. Still, right. it looks like you've got a foot roller on the bottom. So you of walk it. into the Skechers store and they go, look, I know they look like shit, yeah. but <laughs> put your finger in the shoe yeah. and you go, this is great. Am I ever going to put my finger in the shoe again? <laughs> and they go, no, generally your foot. And you're like, I'm sold. Why is everyone yeah. making fun of me? Well, the, the get one fifty percent off. Like buy one get one fifty percent off. Yeah. Still like doesn't it. equal eight. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. If you get four, and then anyway, it doesn't matter. But so controversial. We've all Hang done. How much money did you spend on I sketches? I reckon probably like it was. Pr- the way they justified it is probably four hundred, maybe four hundred dollars. <laughs> four hundred dollars on sketches. Yeah, you know the staff laughed at you yeah. when you left. No, but they're all into it. They're really like they're part of it's the cult. They, yeah, they definitely feels. It feels like the same sort of breed as people who are into like. So it's like the Apple Store, but mm, shit. but not not cool. Very I will cool. say, Lewis, there is at times that this friendship and this trait in a friend uh, actually ca- pays off. Yeah, Why? when he gives you his shit. But he sketches? Too much. No, no, not sketches. I, well, I'm this glad is the that I wasn't I around. Bought, I was like, I had a rebrand, and so I bought some new shoes. Which you had Nike. a rebrand. Yes, I had a rebrand. Are you a flagship? <laughs> yes, store? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> little bit. What little was bit your brand before so sketches? My brand before was oh, no. So that was that was must have been a shit <laughs> brand. <laughs> if sketches is an upgrade, no, the, the sketches were sort of pre-rebrand. So okay. I used to be sort of uh, I used to be 120 kilos. Yeah. I would sort of. Uh, I would go comfort mm. or whatever. So like 3XL would mm-hmm. give me room to move and yeah. things like that. Hats. You look like a I, small Amer- young American boy yeah. who was traveling in a Winner, Winnebago. Yeah, because I, like, I got some like checkered sort of shirts or whatever. But yeah, so like Macca's was, playground attire. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very, much, very much that. And so I, I went from like the snapbacks and stuff to yeah. something more minimal. Mm. And so now I'm trying to go for more sort of like a Steve Jobs-esque That's good. look. Yeah. Um, with but without of, all the terminal illness. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But I do, we've spoken about on the show, he's the gaunt. No, he had sort of he had that because he had cancer. <laughs> it's not really a look you want to go for, no, is no. it? But like, I pre- really want to look like Steve Jobs. Fuck a diet. I'm just going to go out in the sun. <laughs> yeah, just a little, but just that that sort of lean look where it's yeah. like, oh, you haven't overdone it. You're not yeah. sort of, like you've got that look. Like because, like with your height. Well, I look like someone dying of no, cancer. No, no, no. no, no. Fuck, look- I'm leaving. No, it's, no, it's the per- no, I think it's great. Like it's, it's the aspirational. It's because you could wear anything, I think. Well, uh, I struggle finding pants that are long enough. Yeah. Well, you see, Lewis is six foot eight. Yeah, are you really six foot eight. Yeah. Only two meters. I felt like because uh, Tommy was talking it up, it's like ah, oh, mate, this is where you're gonna look like that. And then you came in, I was like, I don't like, dude. We're usually the tallest in the room majority of the time. Mm. I, like it wasn't over. My knees hurt sitting on this desk. Yeah, yeah well, yes. so did mine too. <laughs> but um, <laughs> on the on the height thing, very quickly, is yeah. the uh, when you're on a plane, mm. is it like a uh, Annoyance. Is it, well, is it a medical issue? Like, would do you have to get upgraded? Like, based uh, on the law? I don't do. I don't do the robot check in because if a human checks me in, I always get the free upgrade because yeah. they go, "Oh, poor bastard!" Because I only fly Tiger, so <laughs> yeah. they're like, you know, poor th- bastard, and will also help him out. Yeah. So yeah. where the Tiger put you? They just put you in the aisle, or something? they put me have in the emergency <laughs> lane, and oh, they go, "Will you? Are you willing and able to help in a, a unlikely event of an emergency?" And I go, "It's Tiger, pretty likely." <laughs> firstly, and yeah. also yes, but my fingers across I'm not helping <laughs> I'll, I'll open the door and yeah, then I'm yeah. getting out and everyone else can you know burn. I'm not helping you posted on your Instagram um, 
today. I was going to say today, but that was probably la- a week ago. Mm-hmm. This today. one's pre-recorded. Can we give you up on that? Okay, yeah, that's fact. good. There's too much mass. I can't. Me. But I you can't posted lie. today, yeah. which is the day we're on. Yeah. Um, Easter Monday. About, yeah, Easter Monday. About how um, 30 of your followers are fetish, tall people fetish yeah. pages. Yeah. I have, uh, I have, there's a website out there. Don't go on it. It's called tallguysfree.com. And I am the thumbnail and the most popular person in the, the tall and lanky category. <laughs> what's, what's the free bit? I don't, it's free. So, you know, Look at free up, content. Mr. Take that, Netflix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perv on. Apparently, incredibly tall men is a fetish. And so, have they got photos of you? Yep, there's photos. Every single photo I've ever taken with my top off, and there's not that many. Like, they've gone through my whole Instagram. Mm. Most of them are just me doing jokes. Like, there's one where I, I put myself next to someone wearing a ridiculous outfit, and then they crop the other person out. Mm. And then they just put my topless photo up there of me on the beach. It's not. It's a bit weird, isn't it? It's Do you very weird? fucking weird. Do they at least give you, like, a link for search engine optimization? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they do. They credit me. So I, oh, I don't know nice. if anyone's going from wanking over my spine length to <laughs> laughing at my comedy. But, Never you know, know it's mate. a market. Yeah. <laughs> I think, like, the SEO thing is actually could be quite good if, you, if, you, mm. if they're linking off. You're, tr- you're essentially being trolled. It's I know. No. <laughs> it's, you're being celebrated. You're being, I, think mm. it's, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, but without his permission. Yeah, I mean that's. I think it's that's okay. The state of what it is. What do you feel about it? Uh, I don't know. I think it's funny. Yeah, I that's, guess I just, it's just it just points out that there's a fetish for everything, mm. man. Like everything's a fetish. I didn't. I knew tall people were like, oh, he's tall, that's good. Mm. But I didn't know that anyone's been like jacking off to just height. It's a, it's a weird thing that yeah. I'm all about centimetres. Well, <laughs> they'd be good. Yeah. They'd be into like basketball and stuff, you'd think. Like they'd yeah, love just, like Dude, Shaq. watch basketball. There's yeah. people that are taller than me and they, they're not, they don't look like Steve Jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Go just there. I, what we've worked out is Josh is actually really into that. Yeah, so. no, I like the look. I like the look. <laughs> he's actually built the website. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah I wasn't going to reveal it. Um, but the, the controversial stuff. Do you mm. do you get anxiety around like the fact that there's a portion of the population that dislike what you've done? So like the anti-vaxxer one, for instance. Uh, no, I just think it's funny. Yeah, I, I I don't know. End of the day, I've only ever been yelled at once in public, mm-hmm. and it wasn't that scary. Like some, and it, and it wasn't even for anything that I did. Um, like content-wise, it was it's pretty funny. It happened years and years Cut ago. Cut someone off at a car park. <laughs> it's uh, got I was to- I was on the train uh-huh. and uh, and I was just by myself. And these two girls came up to me and they were like, "Oh, are you Lewis?" And I said, "Yeah, how are you going?" And then one of them sat on my knee to get a photo, um, which was you know a bit too too touchy for yeah. me, but mm-hmm. whatever. So you got the photo and then she walked back to her boyfriend oh, gee. and he saw that and he was not happy. And this is like a Friday night. I'm by myself. I think they might have had something to drink. And I got up to get off at my stop and to get off at my stop, I had to walk towards the group. And the guy looks at me and he goes, Oi, are you Lewis Spears? I said, yeah, man, how you going? He goes, you're not funny. You're shit. <laughs> That's very low level. Yeah. And That's I was great. like, ah. Oh, Sorry, man. And then the doors open and then he goes, yeah, fucking run away, you pussy. And I just said, dude, I'm not going to miss my stop to punch you. (laughs) I'm going home, man. I've got a book I want to read. I don't want to, you know, potentially lose a fight just to for something because you called me a pussy. And then he 
he just, I'm getting off the train and he goes, no one likes you, can't. And I said, your girlfriend does. <laughs> and the door's closed. And then I think that may have been the end of it. Did you touch off? <laughs> no, I didn't touch off. I felt yeah. too alpha. There's, um, I guess uh, there's a massive difference between what people will say in real life versus mm. the internet. Your um, comedy special, death, death Threats Don't Scare Me. Mm. So you legit got death threats? Yeah, so... They're um, online ones though. They weren't online person? Ones. Yeah, because even that guy yelling at me, fair enough, mm. you know. He, was ang- he wasn't angry about something that I did. He was angry because his girlfriend sat on my leg. And yeah. That's whatever. I'd be mad. Did she post the photo? Did you get tagged in yeah, it? Yeah, she like tagged me in it. Really? So did you click through the boyfriend? Disrespectful on yeah. her, <laughs> I would think. Yeah, give him a follow. I feel <laughs> like your problem's maybe not with me, dude. Yeah. It'd be her. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the death threats thing, you just get them mm. and you kind of you learn some of them. The only ones that, that, that can get a little bit, and I talked about this in my comedy special, the only ones that get a little bit scary are the ones that are specific. Mm. Like I did a joke about the dream world accident that like the day it happened um, and it went, it went nuts. A lot, most people thought it was funny, but obviously a lot of people mm. think it's angry, which just goes with the territory. And I got this one, I got all these death threats, but only one scared me, which was, I see you coming to the Gold Coast on April 14. I'm going to be there with a knife. Oh, I saw that one and I thought, oh, <laughs> a little bit spooked. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if I'll do the meet and greet after the show. Uh, but I did it anyway. And, and you didn't get knifed? No, but one guy came up to me, because I meet everyone after all my shows, if anyone wants to kill me. Um, <laughs> and he, he had his hands in his hoodie Ooh. and he came up to me. And I was like, hey, man. And he didn't take him out of his hoodie. Oh, no. Uh, and I was like, oh, fuck, this is the guy. And I was like, hey, how are you going? And I put out my hand to shake his hand. And he took only one hand out, left the other one in. And I was like, oh, this is how I die. Oh, but no. he was just nervous. Yeah. Or he or might have been an amputee. Yeah. I don't know. That, that, <laughs> is, that is actually scary, though. But that one, that freaked me out just that moment. But that was just all my head. He was yeah. just a nervous guy. Well, I guess, like Josh said, it's, it's more the space you're playing in, the out you have... If we started saying controversial shit, we're not comedians. So it would be mm. just like we're real cunts. Yeah. And yeah. It, I, do you see being a comedian as an opportunity not to be a cunt? You, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. No, thanks for that, job. My, my yes, but I always think that as my intention is never to offend. Mm. Like that's never my intention. Yeah. That's always just a byproduct, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like if I went out there, I'm, I'm like, I'm Lewis Spears and I'm going to offend the whole crowd. I wouldn't sell any tickets. Yeah. Everyone's just like, oh, that guy's an asshole. Yeah. My intention is and should be to make you laugh, mm. yeah. you know? And I'll take dangerous topics or dangerous subjects. My favourite thing is taking something that's objectively not funny and being like, oh, but have you thought about it like this? Yeah. Like my favourite laugh is 70-30, which is 70% pissing themselves and 30% going, oh, I don't know about that one. Yeah. But you get those people with the next one. Yes. You know? Like I try to – I never try to to, to preach mm. or to, to voice only one opinion. I try to make fun of all sides because I think there's so much comedy out there that, that puts like convincing you I'm right ahead of being funny. Like funny's here mm. – I'm right is there, mm. and I I think that sucks. My I like my my comedic inspirations were the Chasers, and they did their show. The Chasers wore on everything, and you, if you watch that show, you would have no idea what they actually thought, yeah. what their actual opinions were, because they took the piss out of everyone. Yeah. What do you like at funerals? <laughs> yeah. well, mostly crying. Yeah. yeah. Well, are you really? <laughs> like I feel like a, a coping mechanism. Mm. I definitely like. Uh, there was moments where I've gone to funeral, like my. 
mm. my nana's funeral or whatever that we are like when we're in the car there's mm. opportunities that we're just trying to yeah find moments yeah no i've only only really been to two funerals one when i was super young and i didn't get it and the and the other one was was recently my gran and yeah it's it's like uh I'd, I'd, it's not really a depressing thing. I've, mm. I viewed it more of like, fuck, she did some amazing stuff, mm. yeah. you know, and like the eulogies were all funny, most of them anyway, uh, depending on who was doing it. But most of them were funny, which mm-hmm. I think it might be just our family, which yeah. you would know. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. everyone's just a little bit funny or a bit of a shit stirrer. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, I thought, I thought that was great. I think if, if there's an opportunity to, to either get angry about something or to, to make it, you know, try and turn that darkness mm. into something good. Mm. Why would you not take that opportunity? I think, that like the last couple of years, there's definitely the sensitivity, mm. politically correctness of the com- comedy space has definitely amplified. Like yeah. Chris Lilly, he's just brought out a new show, mm. and I, I was a fan of Chris Lilly back in the day, and I and I'm sort of whatever now. I don't like. I'm sure I could get into watching his show if, well, if summer, I yeah. check it out. Summer, summer High Tie was sort of like. Literally just my school. That's that exactly it. how it was. So we apparently everyone's school yeah, as well. Like yeah. that show's huge in the UK and the yeah. US, and you yeah. wouldn't think that it would translate, but it, it's gone like that. Whole thing's gone global, which mm-hmm. just makes sense as the high school experience. Yeah, but I think I look at some of the so his new show that's just come out, Hectic or something, <laughs> or what, a brand new one that's just. Coming yeah, out on he's Netflix. doing like six or so characters, and yeah. none of them are in blackface. Yeah, there's just a, t- a tan South African, which is a damn shame. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I guess he's he's felt the brunt of that mm. coming from a time where it was kind of acceptable. It just wasn't even critiqued like it is. Well, it wasn't serious. It wasn't blackface. I think, that, I think that the thing is that that blackface in America is is I wouldn't do it, and I think that it, no one should do it there. And, and, and I think no one should really do it now because we know the reasons mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in Australia, we didn't really have the huge like minstrel shows and like the whole blackface thing that America did. We had it to some extent, but it wasn't like as popular. It wasn't in mm-hmm. movies and all that kind of shit. So I think that I, I guess that whole blackface thing came from him doing it came from like just ignorance of like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, you just did it because you weren't doing it with a racist intention, mm. but but now that it's been seen by a broader audience that you know have that history, mm. they see it, and the only thing they see is a racist intention mm. because the only people who did it from where they're from were people racist. who had that racist intention. Yeah, yeah. John Safran, I remember um, <coughs> he did race relations, and he yeah. had like a full prosthetic face that he it was black. Mm-hmm. Mm. But uh, it's interesting. That was at a time I remember I was personal training him at that stage and he's telling me about it. I was like, oh. and it came out, there was no sort of, nothing said about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, f- the time that we're in now, what are the sensitivities that you have mm. as someone who <coughs> really plays in this space? I don't have to, I, my, my thing always comes back to if, if I check myself and I go, am I doing this because my intention is to piss people off or to mm. make them laugh? It can be both, but the mm. main thing has to be to make people laugh and to bring joy. Pissing people off, bit of fun for me. Um, <laughs> but I don't, I, I think that there's, I, I really like a quote by um, Patrice O'Neill. He was talking about this before, like he did an interview in like the, and 90s, I think it was the 90s, where he was talking about rape jokes and there was a person saying that you should never tell them. And he kind of said that um, I'm not going to tell anyone what type of joke to make as long as their intent is to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. So she was like, so, so you support rape jokes? And he goes, I don't make them. 
I don't make rape. I don't think, you know, it's funny, but I've heard them, you know. Um, and I think that's, that's the kind of thing as, as the, the darker a subject matter is, mm. the harder it is to make it funny. Yeah. So I think a lot of the time when people get offended, it's not so much the subject matter. Maybe it's just the skill level of the person doing it. You know, like so many times I've written down an idea that's quite dark and I've tried to do it and it does, it's not funny and it doesn't work. But then I come back to it two years later when I'm a better comic and I've worked out how to make it funny. Um, like I used to do this joke about um, sex work in Thailand and like the ping pong shows because mm. I went to one and it was fucking horrible. Like it was just sex trade shit. Mm -hmm. Like you yeah. felt really bad about it. And I tried talking about that when I was very early in my career and everyone just felt sad. It took me like two or three years before I was better to finally get people to, to laugh at that and then also pass on a positive message of maybe don't go to these things. Yeah. They're a bit fucked. Um, How did you actually apply... Like comedy to it. How did you? How did you make it funnier? Just um, like, live demo. What the? At the yeah, end? I don't know. I just, I just talk. Just the, the whole. I just walked through the whole experience of of what I thought it was going to be in my yeah. head yeah. versus what it actually was. Yeah. Like we walked, we got flyered, and there's this woman. She was going ping pong show, ping pong yeah, show, yeah. and you're oh, thinking, no. yeah, like the noise that it makes, and you're like, oh, that sounds fun, and yeah. that sounds like everybody wants to be there, and not mm. because they have kids to feed and they have no skills. Yeah. Uh, and then we went down an alleyway and down another alleyway, and it just got dirtier and darker, and we walked in. And it was just this horrible, and you just like, the minute I walked in, I saw the girl on stage and I was like, oh, she doesn't want to be here, mm. fuck. And then we just tried to leave and they tried to drag us back in because oh. they were all desperate for money. And I was like, I'm not mm. doing this. And, um, you know, obviously that's not my joke. That's just what actually happened. But yeah, it's just a, just a bad thing, but you can, make, you can make it funny and still pass on the message of mm. that, you know, a positive thing without, just standing up there and telling people not to go to it or, or, or only making light of it without, like, with, without just going, ha-ha, their life sucks. Isn't that funny? Yeah. yeah. Um, your <coughs> crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. Was that – so, Josh, I don't know if you would have seen Lewis at this time. No. He was – tell us about how what you did. So I was at a stage – I've been doing comedy for – three years and I knew I wanted to do a comedy special. I planned to do it year two, but I wasn't good enough. So I delayed it a year. And then I got to a stage where I had like a really good hour of stand up, and I wanted to film it properly um, <clears throat> because the nature of the online thing is most people who watch me, uh, you know, now most people from America mm. and I don't have a visa yet, so they can't see me live, you know, or people live in regional towns and I don't come there yet. So I was like, well, most of the people who like me have not seen my stand-up and potentially won't for like five years until I become successful enough. So the solution to that problem is a comedy special. So I approached a bunch of networks and I approached a bunch of distribution companies and all these different people that could fund it and they all told me that my stuff was too controversial or it's yeah. too expensive to do it properly or this or that or, or we can do it like this but it has to be this length and you can't joke about this and I just thought, fuck it, I'm just going to do it myself. So What are you showing them? Are you like showing them jokes? Here's a list of jokes, guys. It's hard. So you just – I basically just showed them my, my – I filmed a show just on a fucking camera, so like really shit, but you can hear that the jokes are funny, you know, so you can get an idea of what it would look like if it was yeah. done properly. Mm. Um, so you show that to them and they go – basically all I got was this is really, really good, but we can't touch it because it's too controversial or, mm. or this or that. So I just thought, fuck it, I'll do it myself. And I launched a crowdfund and it was going to cost 30 grand. So it was I, just Lewis's fee. 
Just, <laughs> yeah, uh, production yeah. aside. No, that was that was my fee, and then it cost ten bucks to get an iPhone up the back of the room. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was going to cost like thirty grand was what I worked it out to be. So I got all the money I had in the world. I put up fifteen of my own, and I did a crowdfund, and I asked for fifteen grand, and I said, if we can get this, I'll pay for half. We'll go halves mm-hmm. with my audience, and then you guys will have a special. Uh, anyway, I raised that in about three hours. And then the first day I raised 30 and then by the end of it, I'd raised $70,000 Shit. Uh, to this thing, which, and we broke the world record for the biggest comedy special crowdfund ever, which makes me feel a little bit guilty because the previous world record was, was I want to do my last comedy special before I die of cancer. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. <laughs> I think he deserves it more than me. <laughs> Turns out the tall fetish have more money to spend. But you know what? He's still around, so you know, he could do another one. So it was one. all bullshit. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's fair. Was it Kickstarter or what did you actually use? I used Indiegogo. Uh-huh. Um, I, r- I remember seeing it and I was refreshing going, holy fuck. It was insane. I knew I could raise 15, but that but raising 70 was, yeah. was not even in... I don't. I didn't even think I could get thirty. Yeah. But yeah. I. I guess it's just that thing of I always try to be honest, and I was, you know, telling people. I, you know, I tell my audience how much money I have and mm-hmm. how much I pay myself, and I've been doing that for years. And I, I think they just thought, you know, he's given us so much shit for free. It's mm. it's time to step up, and it and it worked, and it's to this day the best performance of my life. Mm. Like I was just. I, it's it's the one. It's the rare moment in my life where everything from the crowdfund to the production to the people that I worked with to my performance itself, where I just thought I could not have done that better. Yeah. And I think that's the only time I've ever. Because f- you know, you look back on shit and you go, oh, I could have done this or I could have done that. It's the, the one thing in my life where I've gone, I fucking nailed yeah. that, and and so did everyone else who helped. It wasn't just me, of course. Um, and it, yeah, it was, it's just fucking amazing. And now it's just sitting on my website. It's like a $5 mm. download thing that you can stream or watch. And it's just something that's always there where if you want to see me live now, you can just go get it. And, you know, now it's it's kind of made me go, well, I don't have to wait for TV. I don't have mm. to wait for Netflix or, or any of these people to do it for me. You can just kind of take control and... That looks like how I may do the next one. The conversations you had with the people that said it was too <coughs> controversial and then yeah. see that happen. I mean, it's always fucking great. You're like, yeah, suck, suck well, on that, that. that's what it was. And then, and there was, a, there was another conversation I had with, with some people from America who were going to fund it, but they were like, yeah, we'll fund it, but, but we own half of it. Mm-hmm. And in the contract, it said it was like, we own half of it in perpetuity forever. Jeez. And I was like, fuck that. I, I'm only going to get one opportunity to, to own my comedy special maybe mm. you know someone else mm. might pick it up in yeah. future or, or whatever so i thought you know i want one for me what did uh, you do with the extra cash uh punted it <laughs> <laughs> uh no i just sketches uh, sale yeah it's i just put it sketches. put it back into the hole and yeah. i just use it to fund more comedy you know yeah. i got myself a film space and i've hired an editor mm. and a camera guy to help me put more stuff out because the biggest struggle when you do stand up online and radio those are Three completely different jobs. Mm. The only thing you have in common is you're trying to be funny, but really the, the actual way you do it is so different. So I've managed to hire help with it and and fund a tour off it, and uh, yeah, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to hold on to it and not what, not be an idiot. What happens? With, so like, remember how Egg Boy recently mm. raised a bunch of cash? What yeah. what? Who gets that cash? How does the actual process work? So when you get seventy thousand dollars, how the hell? Oh, do you dude, get? that was the craziest. So what happens is is it goes to Indiegogo, it takes it from everyone, and they hold it. Um, and then when the crowdfund's over, they just send it to you in bulk. Um, and then 
It's this dude. The the coolest thing ever was just looking at my bank account, seeing seventy grand in there, going, "I'm fucking rich." And then, <laughs> but then you just got to send it all away. You got to send it to all yeah. the camera people. You got to send it to the people who do the merch. You yeah. got to send it to to this and to that. And then you have you know what what you actually have. So I didn't. I didn't end up spending 30. I ended up spending a lot more than that because I wanted, I had this extra money. So I was like, yeah. I'd rather just fucking do all the stuff that I cut out because I thought I could only raise 15. So I cut out a bunch of stuff. So I thought, well, I'll put all that back in. Mm-hmm. So it's like the perfect thing. We got like three extra cameras and all that kind of shit. So it was really, really good. But yeah, you just, it, just, just seeing it there, just the, the thought in your head of going, I could just run away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, obviously you can't. There's there's only a few people in Australia, like there's probably 20 or 30 people who have uh, created these audiences online, mm. like the Christian Hulls, mm-hmm. like you're in that same sort of category. What is it that we don't understand about the audience building and the type of audience that you have versus <coughs> the audience that you would see on, at, say, like a hit network or something like that? Well, now, now, especially now that I've been, um, I've been in both worlds properly. Uh, the difference is the people watching you online choose to. Mm. That's the main thing where where people sit down and they go, "Today, I'm going to listen to the Daily Talk Show." Mm. You don't show up anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's you're not on a billboard. You're not yet. Turn yeah. on <laughs> soon. Yeah, soon. But but you know, you're not <laughs> on know. radio, yeah. and they and and it's just it's just on. So yeah, you yeah. listen to it and. Yeah. The, the main difference is people choose to listen to you. So that, that audience is so much harder to get, mm. uh, which is the downtrade. But when you get them, as long as you're consistent and good and honest, they fucking stay mm. and mm. they'll support you because they sit down and they go, I'm going to turn on a Lewis Spears video or listen to the podcast or, or whatever. And, and I think that, that's the main difference that we noticed because uh, Luke, who I do the show with, also built his, his crowd is just – you, you earn that crowd with the online thing, whereas the, the mainstream media thing, it's there and it exists and it's given to you. And you can lose it if mm. you suck mm. uh, and you can increase it if you're good, but at the end of the day, it's, it's there. And, and, and it's also theirs. So it's SEA. And it's not yours. It's, yeah. Yeah. You can lose their audience. <laughs> yes. You can build their audience. Mm. Still not yours. Yeah. yeah. I wonder about like the, the financial reward of having an audience. How do you know how much your audience can spend? Well, clearly I had no idea, <laughs> you know, like I had, I had no idea. Did you actually try and work out the math for the 15 grand thing? Say, so I've got 15 grand. I reckon maybe based on my followers, it's X, Y, and Z. Yeah, well, I kind of was like, I pitched, so the, the crowdfund I pitched it as, I want to do a comedy special and I want to make it as, as easy for people to buy and stream. So I'm mm. going to make it $5. I know if you have a smartphone, you have five dollars, yeah, or yeah. you have the ability to get five dollars. Yeah. You know, if you You've don't stolen it, or you can, and you can steal another five. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't, you're lying. You yeah. have five bucks. Yeah. You know, you just don't want to give it to me, yeah. which is fine. But yeah. be honest. You know, I don't, sometimes I get comments like, "Man, I wish I could watch your special, but can't afford it." It's like, dude, just tell me that you're not going to watch it. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. Don't <laughs> lie. Yeah. Um, so that's what I, my logic was. Everyone has five bucks and that's all that I'll ask for. Mm-hmm. So I did the math. I couldn't do it in my head now. If however many thousand people yeah. give me five bucks, it'll work. Because I worked out, well, look, on my last tour, I sold like 1,500 tickets and those were 25. Whereas the online thing is not constrained by distance mm-hmm. or travel or dates or what you're doing that night. So if I can get this many thousand people to give me five bucks, mm. it should work. Um, but what I didn't, really take into account was people 
giving way more than five. Mm. You know, some guy gave me a thousand bucks. What did he say? Um, I want some nudes. I'm from that tall website. Yeah, <laughs> um, send them over, baby. Crazy. I just, I just <laughs> said, I'll give you a signed set list, uh, <laughs> and uh, as the reward for a thousand dollars. And I didn't think that anyone would do it. Yeah. yeah. But someone did it, and I, yeah. and that's a crazy thing because that means that. I guess that means that I'm their favorite. Yeah, you know, and which I don't think I'd ever experienced before. Mm. I'd, I had a lot of a lot of people that like me, but I'd never, I never had many people go, "Oh, you're my favorite guy," because everyone's favorite is like a special thing. Like, yeah. I, mine is Bill Burr. I love <laughs> Bill Burr. Yeah. He's my favorite, and. Um, Something slightly creepy about he's my like saying my favorite. I like yeah. that. Well, like, my favorite comedian. My favorite. You can't say uh, you're, my you're my favorite. You're my favorite. Sounds like a, a like stalker it. thing. Um, and so was so. Does that mean that you had like ten thousand plus people all chip in? I think it was. Or? I think it was a few thousand people. I can't really remember off the mm-hmm. top of my head. But like when it when because it's been out now. I think we're nearing ten thousand people mm-hmm. buying it, yeah. and and that includes the people contributing. So. That's really, really cool. Do you start sort of like, um, what is that called when you put your hands in? Like rubbing your hands, hands together. together and saying, fuck, I can just, uh, if I get some sort of subscription thing and get mm. all these cunts paying me 15 bucks a month, <laughs> I'm going to like... Yeah, but that's, I don't want to do that. I yeah. want to make my shit, I always want to make my shit accessible because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm doing this because I want to perform mm. as much as possible to the most people as I can yeah. and you can't, do that by ripping people off mm. or just trying to get money. So how do you know what you're worth then? And do we do you think that as mm. uh, artists or comedians, do people tend to undervalue? Definitely undervalue, mm. and that's a big problem with me. Like my like my first tour, I did a national tour and I only charged twenty dollars for tickets, mm. and then I got to the end of it and and I had made no money. Um, like I made a little bit of money, but not enough to fund me to the next tour or yeah. to fund the next tour. It was enough to live for six months, and I was like, "Well, that doesn't work." And, yeah. and I think that I think that a lot of people do undervalue themselves in terms of ticket price or or, or stuff. It's like it's it, it's like a weird thing. Of some people undervalue, most people undervalue a lot, mm-hmm. where they think, "Oh, I'm not worth it," or I don't know why people are listening to me, or you know, this video only got a hundred views. That means that I suck. Uh, and then there's the other side, which is people overvaluing themselves mm-hmm. and, and that's just trying to get take as much shit. I've always been about giving. Mm-hmm. I'm just giving as much shit away for free so that when I ask for something once, yeah. they'll turn up. And that's just yeah. what it was because I did, you know, I did comedy f- online since, uh, since 2012 just for free, mm-hmm. never asking for a thing. And then, you know, five years after that, I said, I need one thing and they showed up. Yeah. Have you – did you learn this? Like because I mean, this is the Gary V. Jab, jab, right, right hook. hook. Yeah, yeah, it's like that's exactly what he does. Mm. Free, 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 mm. please give yeah. me your money. Yeah, how do you yeah. work out what the ask is? Um, yeah, I don't I, – I, th- I think it was it, – it ultimately it was a combination of my dream, which was mm. to do a special and to be a stand-up comedian, and then also because I was honest about that dream, that became a problem for them because – they were like, oh, we know you care so much about this and we know you're performing and you do this and that, but we can't see you. Mm. We want to see you. So, like, it, it was a combination between what I wanted to do and what they wanted to do, and then the solution to that was the comedy special. Mm. You know, they were like, we want to see you live, and I was like, well, I can't show mm. it to you unless you come, and they're like, I'm in fucking Sweden. I'm like, dude, I'm probably never going there. Yeah. So then you, Mate, give you could that. probably crowdfund a, a trip, a Euro trip. <laughs> Lewis Spears does Euro. <laughs> oh, that's so. true. I think like the other thing too is it's like you talk about the five years prior. People mm. see the big am- amount. There's an appealing nature to saying, yeah. and I do it too when 
especially when I was starting to get into video production, you talk about these big amounts that you make. Mm. But then what people don't realise is like, okay, five years, if you take $70,000 and put mm. it over five years, you're at like minimum wage yeah. territory. Mm. Um, you know, has, has that been something that like that you've been thinking about in, in the future where it's like how do I actually get a sustained salary? I think that's, that's what I've started thinking about more now. Um, and that's and that's come from my problem of undervaluing myself. Where mm-hmm. I talked to <clears throat> just recently, I talked to a bunch of people, and I was like, "How much would you actually pay to see me?" Mm-hmm. And all these people that like me were like, "Oh, I pay sixty dollars," and I was charging like twenty five. And I was like, "Oh, well, f- fuck, <laughs> I'm too cheap." Yeah. yeah. And you know that would be reflected in how much money was left over at the end mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And because I do all my tours myself. I'm, up until recently, I've just finally got someone to help me out with it. So I never really had all these, all these people like going, "Oh, you're way too cheap." Yeah. And now I look at I look at my peers that are on the same level, and they're charging like seventy dollars a ticket, and I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So now what what I've kind of realized is that oh, I, if I really want to give them as much comedy as I want, I need to start making enough money to fund it properly. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. I've always found it like when it comes to charging, what's the amount that comes to mind? Add a little bit more. Because usually it's always yeah we tend to undervalue and yeah. the, the other thing too is it's like it's this still is coming from a place of serving people right it's like yeah. realizing that the only way that you're going to be able to serve people is by making enough cash that's mm. sustainable yeah so that's so that's what I've really taken seriously this year is and that, and that's also the opposite end of like well if I want to make money I need to start spending a bit yeah. as well to like get what I need like so this year. I was like, well, I need an, I need enough money to to fund an international tour mm. and that I can lose money on because you generally lose money the first time you go mm-hmm. a place. Yeah. So I need to make enough money to make losing money justified. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'll get a I'll get a warehouse and I'll get a guy and I'll employ him to help me make videos. And then I just you know put it out there and I and I said I've got a Patreon and I said, look, this, this I'm spending more money. Um, I'd need some more patrons than people are like, oh yeah, he, I have noticed he's doing more. So I'll, I'll jump yeah. on and I'll support him a little bit. Whereas before maybe I would have been like, oh, I'll get a guy when I get more mm. Patreon supporters or, or I'll rent a space when I sell more tickets. But sometimes it's just, it's a matter of working harder and mm. giving more so that they kind of go, oh, he's working harder and giving more. Maybe I'll contribute more as mm. well, or I'll see a show or I'll buy a poster or, or mm. whatever. So yeah, I think that's I think that's the thing. I've I've always I've always been hyper hyper focused on being giving as much shit away for free and then when I do charge being as fair as possible. And to to me in my mind that meant as as cheap as I could make it. Mm. Whereas I I've found that from talking to people who actually like me is they don't they don't mind. They're happy mm. to pay a normal amount of something. They're yeah. not offended by <laughs> yeah. it. You know, mm. like some like when I did the crowdfund, all these people messaging me were going, Thank you so much. Mm. And for doing this so I can give you give you something and help you achieve something. And I was like, well, no, thank you. Mm. And I think that's something that, that a lot of entertainers maybe should realise is that it is a mutually beneficial transaction. Mm-hmm. You're entertaining and they're giving you something. They're getting entertained and giving you a bit of money and, it, and the world fucking spins. I mean, maybe it's hard because the thing you do is something you love and then you're like, that's another this thing. is like, it's yeah. not easy for me, but it's like, this is a bit like... As if I get paid for this. Like you could go to LA right now if you had money for a holiday and then you yeah. could go and do a bunch of stand-up in yeah. LA and you'd feel like, fuck, this is a holiday. Like cheating. Especially yeah. once you start, if you got paid, 
I guess that's the mindset of big comedians. You hear Joe Rogan talk about. Yeah. He kind of feels like, from what I gather, is he's like fuck. Like this is amazing where I am. Like they're all yeah. super grateful for having turned on this floodgate of money doing something they fucking love. If you like the yeah. pro- if you love the process, then it becomes you know a lot easier. Yeah, with the yeah. with partnerships and teamwork and stuff like that. Yeah. How how do you reconcile that with what you're doing? Uh, yeah, well, and that's I think that's that's what what it is. Like, and you find yourself when someone offers you a job that you don't want to do, mm. you quote them a stupid amount of money. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, if they say yes, great, then <laughs> doing the shit job is worth it because yeah. I'll get heaps of money. Yeah. And if they say no, great, I don't mm. have to do the job. Uh, and so sometimes the opposite is like, oh, you want me to do comedy? Mm. I'll do it for 10 bucks. Yeah, 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 I love yeah. comedy. Yeah. Um, and, you, oh, yeah, you've got to find that middle ground. Mm. So with uh, uh, your radio show and, yeah. and what, you, what you develop – uh, going forward with that online, mm. is you know what is the uh, what's what's your thoughts on the team dynamic of it? So yeah, two two individuals coming together and doing a show. Yeah, well, it's really good. So so me and Luke, we're we're friends, and mm. we we never wanted to do a radio show together when we started being friends. Mm. We just were friends because we liked each other. We met through comedy and we mm. built a good ref- friendship and a relationship, and we started doing online stuff together and. Every time he grew, I grew, and it was just, you know, tide rises all ships kind of thing and mixed with a really good friendship. And then uh, I knew a few people in radio and I thought, oh, well, we do shit all the time, but we've never actually created a project. We've collaborated, Mm. but we've never, like, built something new. So why don't we try radio? Um, And that it just felt like the most natural thing in the world. Mm. And and it really demonstrated to me uh, also after seeing all of – a lot of other radio teams and radio shows that fall apart or don't do that well just comes down to people getting put in a room that don't know each other. <laughs> yeah, and forced you know? to be friends. Yeah, and it's like friendships oh. can't be forced. Yeah. No, you can't. Like, end of the day, that's why Hamish and Andy are so big and so genuinely loved by people because it's a genuine friendship. Mm. If they didn't have a radio show, they'd be hanging out anyway. Yeah. Whereas so many of these radio shows is like a, a bachelorette con- yeah, contestant yeah. and a guy who hosted a TV show two years ago and then some dude who kicked a ball really good. <laughs> but they would never <laughs> hang out together. It <laughs> reminds me of like those undercover ticket inspectors when they walk through the train and they're wearing like, it's, it's like some 40-year-old Indian dude and then like a 30-year-old six-foot-three lesbian and then some... <laughs> giant 6'2 white guy. It's like, you guys aren't friends. <laughs> and that's why I know that you're ticket inspectors. Yeah, yeah. And I'm fucking out of yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. But they definitely could do a regional breakfast show. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. that's what they, they are. It's like the undercover ticket inspectors. It's like undercover friendship. <laughs> yeah. It's not real. So funny. The th- um, something funny that you do online is spot nebs. Uh-huh. Hashtag spot nebs. Josh, have you seen that? Yes, I have. <laughs> yeah, you should like Tommy. Always, you are constantly showing me every single time. There's a great yeah. photo. Well, basically, it's um, you've you've it's like paparazzi. It's like fan yep. populated paparazzi. Yeah, yeah. where people crowdsourced do, paps. It is. See, it really is yeah. crowdsourcing paparazzi. People see Lewis and take a photo from ages away. Who who started that? Did you start that or someone? <sighs> Someone well, thought, there's a um, big tall guy. That looks like Lewis. I don't Hang know on. if you know this, man, but you can't actually take a photo of yourself from across the street. <laughs> so I didn't start it. No, but no, <laughs> as in, did you say, if you see me, you get fucking a piece of candy? Okay, it kind of was pretty, candy. It was yeah. pretty <laughs> organic. So it, this is when Snapchat was like a big new thing. 
someone just took a photo of me and they sent it to me. Uh, and uh, I think, I can't remember if I came up with spot names or they captioned it, but anyway, they just took a photo and I thought it was funny and then I just screenshot it and uh, I didn't post it. But then uh, like a month later, someone else took one uh, and then I just took a screenshot and I didn't post it and then I just had nothing to put up. So I just chucked it up and it was just me from across the street just looking at my phone or whatever and it got heaps of likes. People thought it was funny. <laughs> Um, and then I just had this little caption of going, if you were just taking the piss out of the people that did that, I was like, if you want to take a photo of me and send it to me instead of saying, hi, follow me here. <laughs> and people thought that was so funny that they just started doing it. And, and to the point where there was a little bit in my career where I was like, man, I am fucking dying because no one's saying hello anymore. <laughs> no one's coming up to me. But people if people was doing that less, they would prefer to take the photo yeah, yeah. and then send it to me. So I was getting more of them and less hellos in public, so um, which talking, is funny. We were talking with um, Str- Stringer we had on the show last week um, and it was talking about me becoming a meme yeah. and do you plan to become a meme or does it evolve? Mm-hmm. And th- that's essentially what's happened. You've become a meme in that in that. Yeah, respect. well, that's, that's what it is. Like that's like it's not a viral thing but that's just – I don't think you can – I never think you can plan that meme thing. You can only embrace it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then and then you can kind of take control a little bit after it happens. Like DJ Khaled is a perfect example. Yeah, yeah. Like he started doing that. Everyone was just laughing at him and he was like, oh, okay, I can do this. If you want me to be that guy, I'll yeah. be that guy. Yeah. And it fucking works. Well, is it um, – who, who was it? Howard Stern, Josh, saying that phrase? Oh, uh, yeah. He, he calls himself the king of all media mm. and it all of a sudden started to stick. Logan so Paul, he, he's like, I'm the, the number one podcast. podcast. Biggest yeah. podcast in the world. And yeah. even on a video lately, he's Episode like... Episode one, he was like, biggest podcast yeah. in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, is, yeah. it's, it's now it's now climbing yeah. and even on one of his recent videos, he's like, dude, it's fucking yeah, actually it's happening. it's a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy yeah. type you have of thing. To, you have to do that. Like, yeah. I, like I remember, you got to have that self-belief. Mm. Like we, I used to, I still do. I always, before I get on stage, I'd go, I'm the fucking best, I'm the best. And me and my friends used to do that for us when we were starting out. And we sucked. Yeah. <laughs> but we were like, let's be the fucking best. And every now and then it would happen where you'd be the best comedian on the lineup. Yeah. And you'd be like, fuck yeah, I am the best. And it, it becomes true. I'm not the best yet. But that's the, that's yeah. the mindset, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to I wanna become that. So you got to tell yourself that. Otherwise you won't be. Like Dave Chappelle you know, he's probably the best stand-up in the world and he starts mm. one of his recent comedy specials going, I'm the best comedian in the world yeah, yeah. and it's comedy's getting too easy for me. <laughs> and, he, and his whole hour is just about how fucking good he is at stand-up and how he can do anything and make you laugh. Yeah. And he's right. Yeah. So and funny. he probably wouldn't be right if he didn't think that. And yeah. I bet you he thought that before he was. What's, so, what's your international audience like? It's criminal. It's, <laughs> it's growing more. So I've so before it was like ninety percent Australia, but now it's like sixty percent America. Interesting. So it's kind of growing there. So that's probably the best thing, right? Well, that's Just, I think that's where I picture myself going. I'm going to LA and New York next month for a whole month because I, I in my head that's where my career ends up is either LA or New York because the stand up scene's really good. I may hate it. That's why yeah. I'm going, you know, because I want to scope it out. Have you been to the States I've, before? I've never been. Okay, sure. I've only ever been to Thailand. It's about um, as far yeah. away and from Australia. Led, led down a back alleyway. Yeah, I didn't like that. There's, I don't think a, I there's like legit, there. like a lot of, I know you you were making fun of the sketches stuff, but mm. their presence in the US, they've got a lot of sketches. That's stores. good. That's good. Especially I'll just walk like around <laughs> just king hitting people <laughs> with sketches. <laughs> <laughs> the so, so, the, so East Coast and West Coast, like uh, – 
you're going to spend what, a couple of weeks in each one? Yes, yeah, so I'm going to do New York for two weeks mm-hmm. and I know a bunch of stand-up comedians. Well, I don't know them. I've just internet talked to them friends. online, just yeah. internet people. So I'm just going to link up with everyone in New York that I know. Then I'll go to LA and link mm-hmm. up with everyone there that I know and try and perform as much as possible and mm-hmm. see it and, and do everything. And, and then kind of – because I realise that that's probably years away of me actually moving there. But if I like – one more than the mm. other, I'll be like, well, now I'm going to be working towards living in New York or mm. living in New LA and trying to do that. Because I think I've, I've always been like such a long-term goal person. I love setting impossible goals. Mm. Like I, I wanted to do the comedy special. I knew I was going to do that year one and I knew it wasn't going to happen for ages, but that was always the goal. And then mm. I did the special and for about eight months I, was, I felt really lost because I didn't have this thing that seemed yeah. fucking impossible. Yeah. And now I think it's blow up in America mm. and that's impossible now but um, i may do it um is there a pecking order like does it feel like i guess from o- being online mm-hmm. where you get to put it up wherever you want and if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't the comedy scene on a actual on the ground level mm. are you going to you know thinking about going to la mm-hmm. is there do you have to sort of stay in your lane is we're all <laughs> over here doing our thing well i don't really ultimately know but i have i have noticed that the the People that blow up online are so much more welcoming to other people mm. because I feel like I feel like people mostly know that that it, we benefit each other. You yeah. know, the bigger your friends are, the bigger you will be when yeah. you do a video with them and all that kind of stuff. Well, it's have, democratized as well, right? So yeah, it's like it is that it's a, whole. It's like, quite a yeah. merit-based thing. Like mm. if like if you know if you're if you're good and consistent, you will get big online pretty mm. much. Um, there's obviously exceptions to that, but generally. Um, but yeah, I've, I've noticed that in, in Melbourne, a lot of the people from the traditional scene don't like the online thing because mm-hmm. there's, there's this mentality of, of oh, wait to get chosen and wait to get picked. <laughs> but, and then, then these online guys come out of nowhere a few years ago and just start selling tickets with no radio, no TV, no one putting them in that position, no one saying, yes, you're allowed or no gala spot or, mm. or even a good venue in the comedy festival. And all of a sudden these, these 20-something year old people come out of nowhere and start selling more tickets than these people who've been doing it for 10 years and this whole reaction was like oh you guys are skipping the queue yeah and then we're all standing there going there's no queue (laughs) didn't you get (laughs) just go and get your food yeah you know it's uh, sometimes with the traditional thing a lot of them a lot of them act like you selling a ticket takes one away from me but i've Mm. noticed with the guys that are all blown up online we're all completely different people from different backgrounds but Whenever any one of us does well, the other people are like, "Fuck yeah, that's awesome." Yeah. Wow. What is your What does your narrative look like going back? Say before you'd sort of built an audience. Mm. What were those key milestones? Do you have it like clear in your head? Yeah, I would say I would say it was it was the first one was when I realized that the online thing was was comedy because I did it for almost a year just for fun. Because without even realizing, because there weren't, yeah. there was weren't when I started it was 2012. There were really no big consistent online Australian personalities mm-hmm. other than Alex Williamson, mm. who I think paved the way for all of us. Um, he because but when I started, it was uncool to like Australian YouTubers or yeah. even to think of becoming one. It was an interesting. I remember going to um, a conference called Game On, mm. and it was like a pre-VidCon in Australia yeah. type of thing. And it was... Where was that? It was in Sydney. It was when I spoke to an audience of one. Oh, this is the one I saw you at. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and yeah, it was yeah. like the YouTube scene was a very yeah. specific mm. underground. It's like 
very blue hair. Like mm. yeah, even VidCon last year, I went. Jules Lund had some tickets, and it was like, yeah, it's still the same thing. But it's not the same as the states still, but well, because VidCon won't give any fucking tickets to people who are actually big here. Because yeah, we all yeah. say cunt. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's what it comes down to. Like yeah. so I like you know, I reached out to, to VidCon a few times and they knocked us back and I'm not the biggest, but I'm mm. one of, yeah. you know, if you're talking like actual YouTubers and there were people ten times the size of me that reached out and got knocked back because they were they were too Australian yeah. it came yeah. down to, which is swearing and drinking and yeah. stuff like that. So is that adpocalypse thing, is that actually something that you have to worry about? I don't, thankfully, because I have ticket sales. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but if, if I wasn't doing stand-up, I'd be fucked. Yeah. You know, like, thank thank God I've got, you know, ticket sales and people can download the comedy special because, yeah, I'm not, like, I reckon I reckon I used to make three times as much on ads as I used to um, and I'm bigger now than what I was. Yeah. So, so it's that, like, that milestone thing that you were talking about, so the year yeah. in started so realising. When I realised that it was comedy and then I started thinking about stand-up and, uh, then it, uh, another thing was when I left the group that I was working with because I wanted to do stand-up and nobody else mm-hmm. did and so it was kind of like a natural thing of, well, I need to do stand-up, mm-hmm. you know. Were they doing mainly like sketches? Was that what that was or what was uh, the sort of... What it was just like, a, like different goals growing mm-hmm. up, you know yeah. what I mean? Like we started it when I was 18, the other people were like 17. Mm-hmm. It was just, it just grew apart quite naturally. Yeah. So then I was like, well, fuck, I need to, I need to be... Lewis Spears, because at mm. the time I was going under a name Nebs, which was mm-hmm. just a nickname from high school. So I was like, well, fuck, well, I can't be like, welcome to the stage, Nebs. That yeah, sucks. Yeah. So I so left the group. I started a new – my page got deleted uh, on Facebook because it was too much fuck stuff on it. And <laughs> it was like right after I left the group. So there was like no go and check out Lewis who's yeah, doing yeah, stuff yeah. over there. was none of that. So I had to start from scratch and I had this moment of like, fuck, I don't know if I can – Build it from zero again. What was the audience like when you left? In size, size wise, uh, not that big, like twenty thousand uh-huh. or so. Um, still, which is yeah, chunk. still there. But then it got deleted, so it was back to zero. So mm. then I started again, and I was like, oh fuck, I don't know if I can do it, but because <laughs> it was first time working by myself and first time building from zero as yeah. well. Mm. Um, and then there was a moment where I had this one video that went crazy viral, uh, where I just did. Pinger Pete, the police oh, yeah. are planning a party. Yeah. And that still that goes so around funny. today. Where it's just, it's like a police uh, ad about road safety where they go and the police are planning a party. <laughs> and they go, there's lollipops. And they're like yeah. doing mouth swabs for drugs and <laughs> just like a parody thing. So I reacted to it and I was like, oh, that sounds fucking sick. Yeah, and I yeah. did this whole thing of like, oh, I'm going to go to this party. And then that went, that went crazy viral. And I was like, oh, no, I can do this by myself. Um, and then it was just like just I just kept doing it, and mm-hmm. the other, the other notable milestones was getting on stage at the comics lounge for the first time, and I did okay. I didn't tank on my first comedy set. Mm-hmm. Tanked hard on my second. What was um, that like? Blow the wind out of your sails. Well, yeah, because I because I did my whole set and I researched gigging, and I I went up there going I'm going to tank, and that's okay. And then I got up and I did pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Like I didn't smash, but I did pretty well. And did I got you tell stage. people? Was it like your primed audience or was it just... No, nah, it was just the Comics yeah. Lounge show. It was like just the perfect, just strangers who yeah. didn't know me. So it was a genuine response, yeah. you know. So I got up there because I also knew that if you get up in fans, in front of fans, it's a soft crowd. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to bomb in front yeah. of them. So You're I primed wanted to, to laugh. wanted to do it properly. Yeah. So yeah. got up there and I did 
pretty well. And mm. I was like, fuck, if I did pretty well on my first gig, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be amazing. And I did my second, my third and my fourth and I tanked so hard yeah. on all the next ones. I was like, oh man, clearly I fluked the first <laughs> one. Is it, is it um, no laughs or is it an internal feeling where it's just you feel like you're fucking every minute of it? It was both. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. was like, it was like I got on being like, going to smash it again and then just <laughs> silence. And I was like, oh shit. And then, and then I was quite bad for a while and then I started getting better and better. And What, what are the tells, by the way, of, that you notice around whether something's tanking? Like, what do you do? Do you start speaking a bit louder? Yelling, <laughs> yeah. just yeah. fucking <laughs> flat out yelling. Well, what's good is I, it's, it happens less. It still does happen, but mm. it happens a lot less now because, because I have backup material yeah. to fall onto. I generally only ever don't do well now if I'm trying something new for the first ever time and mm. maybe I'm... Maybe I'm wrong or maybe yeah. I haven't remember it properly or the, it's just a little bit new. Um, but I, I, don't, I haven't like properly bombed for a while now, which is good. Um, if it was still happening at this point, you'd, yeah. you'd be worried and maybe thinking maybe mm. it's not for me. So have you got material in your head then where it's like if shit hits the fan, yeah. I've got a real easy confidence booster that I can just yeah. throw yeah, out yeah. there? So, so now what's great is now when I'm testing material, I start off with something really good mm -hmm. that, I, that always works pretty much and then I chuck in my stuff that's a gamble and if that tanks, no worries because I finish it with something awesome too. Yeah. You give them a shit sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then and then eventually, you know, that stuff that's in the middle becomes good and then you can start opening with that and then you <laughs> replace the shit stuff with some more mm. new shit and, and you just kind of work it like that. Um, Do you listen back to all your sets? Like yeah. You said? yeah. So I record them. I've got this awesome app called, I think it's called Otter that uh, yeah. transcribes yeah. it as well, which yeah, is so good. good. So now when... Because before what I would do is I'd record it and if I did really well, I would sit there and I'd write it out listening to it. Yeah. But now I can, if I do, if I smash, I can just take out the text and fix the spelling errors that the AI's made, yeah. which is great. It saves me a lot of time. Do mm. you search cunt to see how many times you say cunt in the show? Well, no, I, I've, I try, I, I use cunt as a weapon. It's, <laughs> I try not to swear as, because as I do know that I swear a lot normally yeah. in conversation. But yeah. when I'm on stage, I try to use it properly because... That was a bad habit of mine when yeah. I started was I would just swear so much yeah. and then if a punchline had a swear word in it, wouldn't hit as hard. Yeah, really. And so w when you were at the stage of those first few shows, mm. what was your audience at like on, from an online perspective? Were you back at the 20,000 or...? Yeah, so, so basically my, my page got deleted and it took another year to get it to back to where it was. And through that year, I was just... Because, you know, those people still know you. Yeah. They just need to find you again. Yeah. So it wasn't as hard as starting from nothing. Because yeah. they were there. They just were like, oh, fuck, why isn't he showing up on Facebook? And they'd search me. And I kind of got them back with a couple of viral things and got new people. So I think when I did my first tour, I was only at like 20, 28,000 people or so, mm -hmm. which is quite big, but... But if you're doing a tour, pretty small. Mm. Um, and I just did like, I did the Melbourne Comedy Festival. I did 12 shows there uh, in like a little 60-seater conference room where my head touched the roof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a funny story from that is as a joke, I used to rub my forehead on the roof, <laughs> just, which was really funny. And it would like, it would vibrate and make a stupid noise, <laughs> which was hilarious and such a good joke until I had to pay to get the sweat stain removed. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and then I toured around, I did every state except for Tassie. And I, I think in Brisbane, 
I booked a 176 seater and I sold 17 tickets. I oh, know. Um, and, and that was humbling. But it was turned out to be one of the best shows of the tour. To the 17 people. Yeah, just because I just went on there and acknowledged it and <laughs> people were just kind of like, ah, oh, well, he fucked up, but yeah. we're here. <laughs> he fucked up. Um, so, but, but, you know, it's, it's just from perseverance and keeping on doing it. I went to Brisbane last year and I mm. sold out 450. Yeah, it's crazy. Went from my smallest show ever to my biggest. What's um, what's arriving for you? You know, like if you think about these times, mm. all these stories are rubbing the head. Like this is seems to be the fun. You yeah. know, it's like it's hard because it's so hard as you're doing it. Yeah. Getting 17 people is no fun for anybody. 17 is fucking great for us. I mean, us. it'd be great for us. Yeah, could you imagine 17? Seven, seven yeah. would be the good. momentum would be When you feeling. book flights and pay for venue hire at Airbnb, <laughs> yeah. 17 tickets doesn't even pay for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> when I did the game on, literally there was one person in the crowd when I was talking. At least you were getting paid, dude. Yeah, you were yeah, an employee. Yeah. You got, yeah. you got so paid, fine, bro. No guarantees. But yeah, what's your what, show? <laughs> what's arriving for you? Do you see it like that? You know, like getting to this or? Well, yes. Yeah, it's, it's it finally. Uh, I feels like at the beginning stages of big. You know, mm. like it's not huge, but I went to Brisbane and I, in front of four hundred and fifty people. And yeah. I did an hour and a half and, like, I had the skills to back that up mm. and, and it was definitely my best show that I'd done and I've got this comedy special and a body of work out there that people can go and it's just mm. constantly ticking over of new people watching and finding me online and I've got a guy working for me to help me put out more stuff. It, it, it really feels like I'm right on, on – on, like, I've hit a plateau and I'm just about to hit the next flight of stairs. Mm. Like, I feel really, really good about – what's coming next um because i know that i've you know i've i'm i think i'm through the scary stage mm. yeah you know where i might run out of money or or you know i'm not rolling in it but i've got enough mm. to last until the next tour and that's all i need do you feel that in this new age of sort of you know building an audience yeah. are we going to have people who are known around australia so for instance you look at like the Hughesies mm-hmm. of the world where it's like they're Australian icons or whatever, or within Australia, they go down the street and everyone mm-hmm. knows them. Yeah. Do you think that that is the destiny for what you're doing? Or do you think that with all of these audiences, they're the sort of thousand true fans or the 10,000 or the 20 or the 100,000 yeah. true fans? I don't, yeah, I don't think that will happen. I don't mm. think that, well, I don't know, maybe, but what I've noticed now is like when I. So the Melbourne Comedy Festival's on. So all of the people who are big online and do stand-up as well are in the same city. So there's me, Luke Kidgel, Isaac Butterfield, who's new, Frenchie, Alex Williamson, uh, Fairbarn Films, they're new as well. Between us, three of us have like over a million people who follow them. Mm-hmm. I've got like half a million, so does Luke. Between all of us, there's probably about five million people following all of us as a group. And when we walk through the city, no one recognises mm. all of us. Mm. Like one guy will go up to Frenchie and be like, yeah. Frenchie, I love you. And they'll see all of us, don't know what we look like. Yeah. <laughs> or some guy will come up to me and be like, Lewis, man, I love your stuff. And I do a fucking radio show with Luke. Yeah. He has no idea who he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think that the future is just 
grabbing your type of person mm. and holding on to them. And we yeah. always laugh in the city when someone comes up to us and we go, oh, that's one of Frenchies because he's got like a mullet and a yeah, flannel. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, it's one of mine. He's like a like an emo kid. They get you to take the photo yeah, type yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had that so many times where I'll take the photo and I think that's fucking awesome. Everyone yeah. just finding their crowd of people. And that what that also means is that you know, if I do a video with Frenchie, I'm being opened up to a whole audience that I would never attract mm. on my mm. own. That, with, that means that the more we work together, the more we have so much more to grow. Yeah. Even the people that are 10 times the size of me, if they're not attracting the people that I am, I have so much to give them by working with them. Yeah. Yeah. You said it perfectly, rising tide raises all boats. Yeah. Exactly, and that's, and that's why I think the... the, the Guys who are big online, the kind of new wave of comedians I found have been so much more supportive and welcoming than than the traditional mm. industry uh, in comedy, which is which is changing a little bit because they're I feel like they're kind of realizing that yeah. oh shit maybe mm. maybe television isn't the future maybe maybe, ch- maybe Channel Ten can't make <laughs> my career anymore. Well, I mean, what is but what does mainstream mean? Like, what Nothing I wonder now. is, it's like what is what does it mean? Say in five years' time, when you go into mm. an Uber, at the moment. They're either, you know, they've got like you know, yeah. Gold FM, Fo- Fox. They've got like one of <laughs> yeah. the, the, you know, the the radio stations yeah. in Melbourne. What happens in five years? What is what's on the 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 mm. screens at bars? What's on? Where? Wh- what are people? Well, yeah, that, that's why I think everyone's just listening to their own shit. Like I, yeah. I was in a, I drove around a friend who uh, has a Tesla, and being in that thing, I was uh, like, it's got. Spotify, it's got podcasts, it's got, it had like four different apps of just whatever the fuck (laughs) you could think of. It was just in the car. And I thought there wasn't a radio button. Like there was not a radio button Mm. on that thing. There was no dial. I was like, okay, Mm. it's fucked, you know? And the same Mm. thing with with television. I go to Mm. my my friend's house who's who's young and he's doing really well and he's he's got enough money to, to build an entertainment system in his house. And on his massive fucking television, it's YouTube. Yeah. yeah. You know, just auto playing stuff that, that's recommended for him. And then if he gets bored of that, he gets the remote and hits the Netflix button. Mm. It's not, I think the future is just everyone's specific interest and there is yeah. no mainstream anymore. Like, when's the, when's the last time, like, you guys obviously have friends in radio, mm. but when have you talked to a friend that doesn't work in the entertainment industry? When's the last time they said, oh, man, do you know what I heard on radio the yeah. other day? Do you know what I watched on TV? <laughs> yeah. Never. I, I worked like, at a... This guy on Joe Rogan said that, or yeah. I was listening to this podcast. You should check it out. I remember uh, going into Envato, where I used to work, tech company, over 200 people in the office. Mm. I was on... Hamish and Andy did a whole bit, a whole like segment on there and I walk in the next day like a top dog and there was literally <laughs> yeah. one person in yeah, HR yeah. who has a commute who, who yeah. heard it. Yeah. It's like no one's listen, like no one is listening to... To the whole show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what, that's what being in radio really taught us is you start every single talk break when the song finishes, I go... It's Luke and Lewis because no one listens to the whole yeah. show and you have to tell them what they're listening to. Yeah. And then so often throughout the, the talk break, which goes for four minutes, you've got to keep using each other's names yeah. because people will turn in halfway through and they'll hear two voices, have no idea who they am, until I go, great idea, Luke. Thanks, Lewis. And they go, oh, mm, Luke and so Lewis. So much resetting. Yeah. You know, I mean, hook, like forward, forward hooking something is... Useless. Yeah. Like I've pulled over and searched something. 
They're like, coming up after this is this. I'm like, that's interesting. I'm just going to search it right now. Yeah. Pull over and type. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, it's, it seems archaic. Mm. Like, we found, because what we did with radio is we, Luke and I folded it into our online content. And so we filmed every show and we did a podcast and we made sure we set that up and we owned it ourselves instead of the radio owning it. Um, and we noticed that when we, we were filming and we were editing clips and putting them out there, uh, Luke did a tour and then I did one six months later. So when we were putting effort into our socials and putting videos out, people showed up to Luke's show with in-jokes. So we had a thing of like Savoy's are the best biscuits. Mm -hmm. Some guy brought 40 boxes of Savoy's to Luke's show, gave one (laughs) to every person in the audience. That's pretty funny. Like he would have spent like 60 bucks on a stupid radio joke and people were showing up giving him gifts and wearing T-shirts that we talked about and just shit like that. And then because we were putting so much effort into the socials of the radio show our personal stuff started to slip a little bit mm-hmm. so me and luke went well we need to focus on us because we have mm. tickets to sell and we are each of our own main priority mm. luke and lewis is a project we're doing but lewis spears and luke kidgel are the main thing so we stopped making videos for luke and lewis we started again for our individual stuff i had my tour six months later not a single person came from the radio show yeah, interesting. which means no one's coming to the show from listening to us on radio. It was all the online stuff we were doing. Yeah. It was all the podcasts, all the videos, everything like that. There wasn't a single person who heard us on radio and thought, I'm mm. going to buy a ticket to go and see them or I'm going to check them out on Instagram or Facebook, you know. I mean, the so last few years of Hamish and Andy, I, I literally was just watching their snippets online. Yeah. I felt like I was watching, I was yeah. listening to their show. Mm. I remember I was an avid listener at one point, mm-hmm. but then that slipped, but then I felt like I was still... Getting everything, getting yeah. the joke. But when you don't have that commute or whatever yeah. or if it yeah. changes, like I heard a, st- a stat around having long podcasts mm-hmm. and the fact that like if, if it's over an hour, people let listen to less than 50% or whatever, but it's like it's still good when you consider like a radio show. Like you yeah. definitely aren't listening to a – you know, a radio show from start As opposed to, to what? Yeah. Listening to 30 seconds of a mm. radio yeah, show yeah. and then changing it because you hear an ad? Yeah. yeah. That happens way more, you know? Like, and I've talked to Hamish Andy about this, about what you were saying was mm. they they would talk to people that are genuinely huge fans of them, be like, I listen to your show all the time, but they would only ever reference talk breaks that they posted on Facebook or yeah. YouTube and they feel like they're listening to it and they are. Yeah. They're just listening to little chunks Absolutely. but they're not actually listening to it on radio or, yeah. or even listening to the full show. That's why I think video is so powerful. Video yes. I don't think like – I don't think – like a lot of people argue you don't, you know, you don't need to film your show and all that yes, sort of thing. Yes, you do. But, but <laughs> yeah, when it comes to actually being able to mm. have snippets and being able to share it for, yeah. for us – the the full show as video is, is just a nice to have that yeah. will slowly build over time. People will open it up in a tab. Mm. It might be the choice for some people. But the real benefit is Clips. from the yeah, from the show, we'll have a, a clip and it will go up on Instagram and then that might inspire people to 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 listen, but also oh, that might be the Lewis thing. Lewis is bullying Josh yeah. about sketches. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I have to listen to this. <laughs> exactly. And so that's I think that there's there's so much power in that video content as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's we that's what we made such a big deal out of filming every show and mm. the radio people were like, I think you're focusing too much on filming the show mm. than actually <laughs> doing the show. And we said, I think you're a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because we, we noticed like, you know, we're on, we started on Modern Digital, which has no listeners, which is kind of the point. So we could be shit and it didn't yeah, matter yeah. while we were learning. And that we had people calling the show and they were like, what the fuck? 
How are you getting this? And it's like, because we're doing videos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's super interesting. We'd love to have you back on when we're in our new Absolutely studio. Absolutely not. I'm just worried about the, the, the height, the, the height, the door, the door height I'm concerned about. You I'm used to that. It's, um, what is it? 2200. You'll fit. So I've You're got 20 meters. meters. No, tw- no yeah. 2200 centi- uh, millimeters. Oh, so I've got two centimeters to spare. Is that really? I'm um, two meters. No, nah, it's 20 centimeters. So your two oh, 20, meters. 20, yeah. so your 2000, the door frame is 2200. Okay. Glad the we got that. Ceiling height's 2400. Otherwise we could. <laughs> or we could like wench you up yeah. with a rope or whatever. No, you'll be the, right. The top bit. You'll have to come back in, yeah, when we are in our new space. Josh yeah. will give you a free pair of sketches. <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, I'd love to come in when it's not Easter. This is a real yeah. fuck around. <laughs> yeah, I know. Easter Monday. Crazy. <laughs> Well, it's a public I'm, holiday, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've definitely overdone the whole egg thing. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> oh, I was prepared to just ignore it. Yeah, and you're yeah, like, hey, we're going to rope Lewis into pretending. I'm not pretending for you guys. <laughs> this is your podcast, not mine. It's 2012. It's pre-recorded. We recorded it last year. <laughs> that's not true. No, mate, uh, it's exciting <laughs> seeing what's happening. I'm looking forward to seeing you walk up that next flight of stairs. Yeah, it's really cool. Thanks it's for having me cool. on, boys. It's the Daily Talk Show, heightthedailytalkshow.com. Do you get many emails? Do, do people email you ever or is it all DMs and shit? Uh, follow me on Instagram, guys. <laughs> Send me a letter. <laughs> yeah. no, but do people actually you, do you have a... Yeah, I get. I have got get an email thing. thing for my podcast. Yeah, yeah. I like I the email thing. Emails are good. They're yeah. all yeah. thought out. Yeah. Go, I'm going to sit down and write an email. Yeah. When but it's you, a DM, it's just like a dick pic or fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just need to actually <laughs> read them out. That's a bit that we like. We, yeah. we tell people the email address. And then yeah. But do send us an email. Uh, it's a daily talk show. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow, which we'll is say Tuesday. Your address. Yeah. Uh, hi at the com. There you go. And also, we have a P.O. box. Do you have a P.O. box? No. Yeah. Well, P.O. box is yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah actually, no, seriously. P.O. box 400, Abbotsford, Victoria 3067. If you want to send me a letter, that's yeah. the way. We'll, yeah. we'll send it through. See have a good one, guys.